going on to Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 8. Just a few verses in Numbers chapter 8. We've been start, we started doing Numbers a few weeks ago. We're working our way through it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, and say unto him, When thou lightest the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so, he lighted the lamps thereof over against the candlestick, as the Lord commanded Moses. And this work of the candlestick was of beaten gold unto the shaft thereof, unto the flowers thereof was beaten work according to the pattern which the Lord had showed Moses so he made the candlestick the tabernacle had been erected as we had seen a few weeks ago for the first time the princes in chapter 7 had brought their gifts of the wagons and the oxen to carry the, the superstructure of the tabernacle and we saw then that the work of the priests and the Levites had been delegated and soon in chapter 8 the Levites would be consecrated to the service of God but here in between those things in between the, the dedication of the altar and the presentation of the gifts of the princes we have these few verses which deal with the lighting of the candlestick the lighting of the candlestick obviously for the first time God spake unto Moses from the mercy seat and he gave instructions and we keep on saying that it's wonderful how Moses got instructions from God and how so often within scripture it says and he did exactly what God had said they carried out what God instructed them and we should be careful when we read God's word that we use it and take it seriously and carry out what God says within it and you know when we studied the tabernacle for for those few weeks we looked at the candlestick those of you who were here may remember what we said about the candlestick but we thought I thought it'd be better just in the light of this little passage to look back again and see what we said about the candlestick run through it quickly first we looked at the candlestick was a type of Christ what does it look like it, it was beaten out of pure gold and it had bowls like almonds and some flowers on it and why almonds we wondered why they, these uh, it had almonds on it you know, eventually we will look at what was put into the Ark of the Covenant. But we know that the, uh, some of the, the manna, uh, a replica of the manna was put in, the, the tables of stone with the, the commandments on them. And also in that was put a thing called Aaron's Rod. Aaron's Rod that budded. And we'll, we'll see that later on in, in number 17. But it says, And it came to pass on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds, and blossomed blossoms, and yielded almonds. Now, what had happened was there was a, a crisis of authority, and 
the, the various tribes put in rods before God, bits of stick. And this was a test as to who was, was in authority. And the other sticks were there in the morrow, on the next day that just looked the same. But when Moses went in and saw that Aaron's rod, which represented the, the tribe of Levi, it had not only budded, it had blossomed, and it had produced almonds. It was a proof of Aaron's high priesthoodship and his authority. And therefore, these almonds which were on the candlestick, that it was a, a type of the authority of the high priest. This dry rod or this dry stick had blossomed and had produced almonds. A miracle. And that was eventually put into the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron's rod that budded. What do we read about the Lord Jesus Christ? It says in Isaiah 53, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. A root out of a dry ground. An old root, but blossomed up. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. And we read also that Christ has become the first fruits of them that slept. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits. He has blossomed, he has produced, he died, and he rose again from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. But every man in his order, Christ the first fruits after they that are Christ at his comings. Christ rose from the dead. Because Christ rose from the dead, we also live in him and we become fruitful in him. And so the almond that was on this uh, candlestick was a type of the Lord Jesus, showing the Lord Jesus Christ in his authority. It, it was there because Aaron's rod had produced almonds. Almonds. The Jewish writers, you know, say that the flowers on the uh, candlestick were lilies. We're going through this fairly quickly. The lilies. In Psalm, Song, Song of Solomon 2 verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. And we've been singing that song. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. So the candlestick represented Christ. Christ, the authority of Christ, and the fruitfulness of Christ. And the fact that he is represented in everything in the tabernacle. Everything in the tabernacle pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we read also that God is light. God is light. 1 John 1 verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no dark side to God. No dark side to God. Therefore it says there's no shadow caused by his turning. He is light. He is light. And Christ is the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world. John 8.12 Then Jesus spake unto them again saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me 
shall not walk in darkness because God is light and Jesus is the light of the world but shall have the light of life and we read that those few verses in John in him was life and the life was the light the second thing about the, the construction of the candlestick and all the gold in the tabernacle was pure pure gold wasn't any dross in it. There was no, All the gold used in the tabernacle, that house of gold as we saw, was pure. Pure. Pointing to the, the righteousness and the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing is, and we look at verse uh, 4 here, it says, And it was of beaten gold. It was beaten gold. You know, it was made out of one piece of gold. Wasn't any bits added onto it. It was made out of one piece of gold and it was beaten. Christ, the one and only Son of God, was beaten by the wrath of God at Calvary for you and for me. He bore the wrath of God for you and for me. He was beaten for you and for me. The other thing uh, we, we saw about the, the candlestick when we looked at it a while back was that it was, it was lit and it burned continually before God. In Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost them that come unto God by him. He is able to save us to the uttermost, why seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth. He is there continually before his Father, interceding for you and for me. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for many. He is there continually interceding for you and for me. That's a wonderful thing. The old high priests we saw as we looked at the tabernacle died and another one had to come and take his place. Then he died, then another. But Jesus Christ is our high priest forever, continually before his Father in heaven for you and for me. But you know, we also saw as we looked at, at, at the candlestick that Jesus said, Mark, Matthew 5, 14 to 16, he says, you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world, he says, but now he said, you're the light of the world. I am I'm to be a light. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may honor you and that they may pray. No, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Glorify your Father by the way we live, by what we do. When people look at them, do they glorify my Father in heaven? That's a, that's a challenge to us. It, it's a terrible challenge, isn't it, this morning? But on a candlestick that it giveth light unto all that are in the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do my works glorify my Father in heaven? 
We are lights. We are priests. And we have to produce fruit like Aaron's rod. We have to produce fruit. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. We were dead. But we have been quickened. We have been quickened. We have been made alive. We are alive in Christ. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And made alive. And like Aaron's rod. We must produce fruit. To God's eternal glory. We have to blossom. In this world like lilies. You know we look at these beautiful lilies on the ponds. And we are to be like lilies. To blossom and to show beauty. You know in Hosea 14 verse 5 there's a verse that says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. Israel had strayed away from God and he was calling them back. Calling them back in Hosea. If you read Hosea. The last chapter says, when they come back, if they come back, I will be as dew unto Israel. That fresh dew. In the morning when we look out on the grass. It's so nice isn't it. The dew on the trees. He said I'm going to be like dew to them. And he shall grow. Israel. Those who come back to God. Were going to grow. Like lilies. It says. And cast forth his roots as Lebanon. Oh yes. What God wants of us is to blossom and grow for him but to cast our roots down into his word deep down into his word so that we can blossom for him God was going to heal the backsliding of Israel and make them as lilies Christ was represented on that as, as lilies the, the Jewish writers say on the candlestick we should shine for him and witness for him as lilies. But then we notice that the candlestick, when it was a type of uh, uh, us as lights, it needed, it needed oil. Those, if you look at Exodus 27 and verse 20, it says, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. In the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil which is before the testimony Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. Oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God in order to produce this light. We can't show any light on our own. Any light that you and I try to show to the world by our own strength will be a failure. We have to be filled with the Spirit of God and controlled by Him. And strangely, you know, if you look at verse 2, it says, shall, <coughs> When the light is the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick, strange expression. The light was first and foremost, apparently, to light up the candlestick. The candlestick, which we saw was a type of Christ. And if we are lighting and shining, the first thing we have to do is to 
glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And then we will be light to the rest of the world. The song in heaven is to the glory of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang that in one of our hymns. Our primary function in this life is to glorify the Lord Jesus. We used to sing a little chorus, didn't we? Be like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long, I would be like Jesus. We want to grow more and more like Him. We want to glorify Him. And if we glorify Him in our lives, then that light will shine elsewhere. I would be like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Why? Because they're God's. You're bought with a price, you're not your own. We have been bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore glorify Him in your lives. You know, the light and the candlestick, the candlestick, these lights were on top of it, they, they worked in unison. They were together. They were all one. And any person who tries to operate separately on their own, it, it won't work. Any church which operates and concentrates on praying to and glorifying the Holy Spirit at the expense or apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, there's something wrong in the balance. It doesn't work. How often should we glorify? We looked at that as well. These are things we looked at before. How often should we glorify the Lord Jesus? Look at Leviticus 24, 1-4. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive oil beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continually. Without the veil of the testimony and in the tabernacle of the congregation shall Aaron offer it, order it from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. The lights were to shine continually. We are to shine for God continually. I would bless Psalm 34. We learned in Sunday school. I would bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We can't overdo it. We have to praise God continually. Hebrews 13 verse 5 By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Let's continue to continually praise God. Continually. One other point about the candlestick. In, if, if you look back you'll see that there were tongs. It had tongs and snuffers. And they also were of pure gold. Speaking to us of something in our lives. Sometimes the light became dim. And Aaron had to apply the tongs to remove the little bits of debris. And the little bits of dross which had got caught up. And was blocking the light from burning brightly. Sometimes our light grows dim. Doesn't it? Grows dim. And we need to remove the dross. The debris from our lives. Which we gather as we go through a sinful world. And we have to 
get that. The Lord Jesus Christ has to point out things to us. The Holy Spirit shows us sin in our lives. And we have to yield to the snuffers and the tongs of the Lord Jesus as he removes certain things from our lives. The tongs were of pure gold. We need the chastening of Christ upon our lives day by day. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Strange, isn't it? But in order for that light to shine brightly, those little bits of debris had to be taken away by the tongs and the, the, the snuffers. The heavenly gardener needs to remove the dead wood. We have that passage in John 15 about service and fruitfulness. The gardener has to come in and take, take the dead wood away. Uh, at that time when I spoke about that I, I mentioned I think about my father he, he grew a lot of roses and, and he used to cut them back cut them back and I used to say to him that'll never you, you've, you've killed it and then bring the thing will blossom up better than it ever did and, and, and we need that we need to apply that to our lives get rid of all the, the debris we're carrying around with us the dead wood sometimes it seems harsh but that's the way it is now here, the children of Israel were setting out on their journey through this terrible wilderness. We looked at this dread wilderness in the first few chapters of, of, of Numbers. And we saw that as we go through this wilderness, there is nothing in this wilderness for the Christian. There was nothing in the wilderness as the children of Israel went through the wilderness that was of benefit to them except what God intervened and gave. He gave them the manna and he gave them the water. He gave them the living word and the, the, the water of life. And that's as we go through this wilderness. There's nothing in this wilderness. There's nothing in this world which is of benefit to us as Christians. We are dead to the world. And we can only be fed on what God supplies. They needed a light. And that's why this is here I think. It's just demonstrating and pointing out that as they started out on this journey, they needed a light. We need a light as we go through this world. You know that famous thing that King George said on, on, in 1939, was it, or sometime at Christmas. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he said, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall better be to thee better than light and safer than a known way. We need light. We need the light of God to guide us through this world. Otherwise we'll go astray. As we go through this world we come against sin and darkness. And you know look at Romans. Romans chapter 3. I was looking at this the other night. The, 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 the description of what this world is really like. And Romans 3, it's worth reading it. Romans 3, go back to verse 9. What then, are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that all are under sin. This is the, this is the world in which we live. 
There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is in under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's a, that's a description of the world, as it is today. And we, we, we can pick out any days in the paper, any day, and, and, and it just applies to those verses. And that's the kind of world you and I are going through, and that's the kind of world we have to be lights in. In order to direct these poor, unfortunate people, the sinners in this world, who do not know Christ, who have no fear of God, that we have to shine as lights in this world. We need to exalt Christ before a sinful world. It's a great, grave responsibility. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Just quickly we need to move on. There's, a, there's an interesting sort of parallel here. And I turned to see the voice that spake unto me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. We saw that there were seven lamps on the candlestick, weren't there? And these represented the seven churches in Asia at that time. And go on to verse uh, 20. The mystery of the seven stars which I saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels, the pastors of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. There were seven churches here. And Jesus was speaking to a message to each individual church. The great high priest who lights the lamps in all his golden candlesticks, the churches. He lights the lamps in these churches. And they have been made to produce light. That's the whole point of a candlestick. There's no point of a candlestick if it's not lit and not producing light. We are lights in this world. These lights had, lamps had no light in themselves, but what is put into them, isn't it? And so the churches of Christ have no lights, but we have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the light to the world. The light of the gospel, which dispels darkness, is the means of enlightening sinners. It's the only hope of the world. The light of the world is Jesus. He's the only hope for this world. He's the only answer to this world. It gives lights to the, the people within the churches. And it's through the light of the gospel that we work and that we walk. And the light is put into the churches by Jesus Christ who himself is the, the light of the world. The members of the church were, were the lights which must shine by our ministry and by our lives, by our conversations 
and we're compared to golden candlesticks because we're precious. We saw that a few weeks ago. We're a peculiar people. We're precious. We're precious in God's sight because Christ died for us, gave himself for us. We're precious to him. And we have just said we, we have to face up to the responsibility we have as lights in this world. In this sinful world, that description of the world that we read there in Romans. An, awful resp an awesome responsibility with which we have been entrusted. And you know, if you read those letters to the various churches, some of those churches seem pretty good compared with, with, with churches today. But again and again and again, Jesus says, I know your works. I know your works. He knows all about us. He knows our works. And he warns to take care. Just one we look at in Revelation 2, the church at Ephesus, where Paul had preached. And it goes on to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. These things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walked in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Jesus is walking in the midst of his churches. He says, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. They've tested the people. They can't stand evil. They've tested the people who've come in and said they were apostles and won't have anything to do with them. Thou hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake labored and hast not fainted. That was a pretty good church, it would appear. But I have something against you. he have against a church who had uh, been against evil against those who had come in as apost uh, uh, apostate apostles he says thou hast left thy first love uh, surely that's not all that serious they left that first love which they had for Jesus when they had accepted him as their saviour and as their lord and as their guide they, they left it gone away from the first love he says remember then from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first work get back to that situation where you were excited about me when you, you, you thought you were so enthusiastic. Get back to that situation, he says. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That's very sober. And there was no church in Ephesus later on. You know, the other thing, going back to the candlestick, leaving Revelation for a moment, was that it was to be lit in the evening. It was to be lit in the evening. 
We are, we believe, in the evening. We are in the last days. You only have to look around the world and see all the things that are happening. And how dark it is. How, how horrible the world is. How this world, I wrote down here, needs the light of Christians to shine brightly in the evening. The night cometh, Jesus said, when no man can work. Just look for, and finally, just look at First uh, Samuel. Beginning of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. We all know this story so well, don't we? Little Samuel had been brought by his mother to look after the old man, Eli. And read verse 1. And the child Samuel, Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, for there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Little Samuel had gone to bed and his, he probably had a bed in some of the annexes of the, uh, uh, of the uh, uh, tabernacle. And uh, Eli was in his uh, bed chamber. And it says, The word of God was precious in those days. There was no open vision. There was no one who had a, a message for the people. There was no one who was prepared to speak out the word of God. It was precious. It was scarce. There was no one. Prepared to stand up and speak out. Eli, his eyes were dim. Physically, but spiritually, obviously, his eyes were dim as well. God was speaking to Samuel here instead of through Eli, the priest. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple... I thought that was a challenge. Ere the lamp of God goes out. Soon the day of grace will finish. We are approaching a time of darkness. The light was lit in the evening. But it was going ere the lamp went out. Later on it would go out. And you know that's a challenge to me. The lamp of God. The, the night cometh when no man can work, Jesus said. There was nobody prepared. There was nobody there who was prepared to speak out God's word. The, the, the word of God was precious in those days. There was no vision. No one, no one had a vision as to what was going to happen. No one had a vision for the dead souls. And you know, that's what's happening. You only have to listen to the Sunday programs and these things all about multi-faith, this and that. In Nahum 3.18, the shepherds slumber, O king of Assyria, thy nobles shall dwell in the dust. The, the, the shepherds slumber. What's the result? Thy people is scattered upon the mountains. 
and no man gathereth them. There no, it says, no valiant ones. No valiant ones. The shepherds slumber, the sheep are scattered on the mountains, and there are no valiant ones. Isaiah 56.10 His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. And it says, as a footnote, talking in their sleep. Talking in their sleep. And that's, that's the messages that are going out to a sinful world. The, the shepherds are talking in their sleep. And it's getting towards the time when the light will go out. We are nearing the end of the age of grace. Ere the lamp of God goes out. Let's take Matthew 5.16. As our, as our text going out this week. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 